Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You're listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a conversation with a guest sharing their story and insights about what can help when you're adapting to loss. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today's guest is Kim, co-founder of the Good Grief app, a social networking tool for people who are experiencing grief. Welcome to the Grief Stories podcast, Kim. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Maureen. So at Grief Stories, we believe that when people share their stories of loss and grief and healing, that it helps other people connect and find maybe some things that may help them too. So in the spirit of that, I'm going to invite you to please share with us a little bit of your story of loss. I was 40 years old and had just um, traveled to the other side of the world with the person that I was planning to spend the rest of my life with. And we returned from this remarkable journey and he passed away suddenly within four hours of us arriving home. Mm. My world felt shattered and I felt hopeless. And I think. In those moments, I wasn't really sure how to cope or move forward. I felt very much uh, stuck between the world that I wanted to be in but couldn't and the world that I used to be in but couldn't go back to. Um, You know, it was just frozen in time. Mm -hmm. I think that my grief was probably compounded by the fact that I had also lost both of my parents. Then a 10-year time frame, I really had lost so many people in my life and the, the absence of my adoptive parents to support me through this tremendous loss was devastating and I felt very much isolated and alone. That makes so much sense to me. You've got you've you've got the experience of losing your parents and feeling, you know, okay, I'm I'm the oldest generation, I'm the oldest generation in the world now, in my family, and then losing your partner so suddenly and not having the steady presence of your parents to support you through that. Those three losses woven together just are really powerful in how um, isolated you feel and how much sudden, uh, suddenly how much pain you're in, you know? Pain was, uh, was overwhelming, yeah. uh, indescribable. Yeah. And um, I just I remember just desperately searching for some type of support structure uh, to help me in those moments. Mm-hmm. So it feels like being isolated was a challenge, being overwhelmed with the pain and that looking for some support was part of that real challenge in terms of feeling caught between you know what what you used to have and what you were hoping to have and not having either. And not actually knowing which, how the path was going to unfold, which way were you going to go? Tell me a little bit about um, how you sought to try and find some support and some structure for that healing process. 
So I had, I enrolled myself in, in some bereavement groups. And one of them was a local group that I found myself sitting in. It was probably in hindsight too early. Um, I was in the very, very acute stage of grief. And I don't even know if, you know, that grief fog had lifted enough for me to even process what was going on. But I remember sitting in the group and looking around and feeling still yet very disconnected. To the right of me was an elderly man who had lost his wife, but had lost, they had been married for 50 plus years. To the left of me was a woman that lost her sister uh, to cancer. And while I felt deeply for both of them and their losses, I was 40 years old with two children, ages, you know, eight and six. And it was supposed to be this great future that I was supposed to have. And it had all been stolen from me. And I didn't feel like the things that I could contribute in those moments to the to the group aligned with what everyone else was talking about. And I couldn't relate. And I was really struggling finding someone that was going through the similar situation that I could almost feel like, okay, this is okay to feel this way. This is normal that I, you know, am looking for help in this way or to, you know, to be angry in this way or um, to feel this devastated. Yeah. So that that I just couldn't connect in those types of support. I did do individual therapy. So um, I sat with a therapist one on one. Um, there were some, there was some trauma that was associated with my loss, and I remember trying to go through NMDR for you know them to help me to get past those initial moments of the loss itself. And nothing was working. I wasn't sleeping. I, you know, I was barely functioning when I got to work. And I, for whatever reason, I just couldn't connect. And the more that that happened, the more isolated I felt, the more depressed I became, and the more hopeless I, yeah. I was. Yeah. And, and that, you know, is so common. What you went through is so common when you have a sudden unexpected loss. It's an out of order loss because you're not supposed to lose your partner when you're 40 years old and have young kids. That's not the way this is supposed to work. You know, I say supposed to in air quotes because uh, um, we know, we know that's supposed to doesn't often happen, but but here you are, you've got some trauma attached to the loss and you're trying all the right things, grief groups and individual therapy and just missing connections. You know, your, your average grief group for even if it's focused on partner loss is going to be an older demographic, uh, typically. Right. And so it's, it is hard to connect it other people weren't relating to being a suddenly single parent of young kids or, you know, the traumatic loss aspects. Um, and then it sounds like the individual therapy wasn't quite hitting the mark either. Wasn't quite hitting what you needed in terms of giving you the right support at the right time, which is, isn't about whether the therapist was good or not. It's really about whether it's a whether it's a fit and a the right thing at the right time. So here you are feeling kind of stuck and wondering, maybe probably wondering if it was you. Right? Uh, oh, absolutely. I question that on, on a daily basis. 
Like, is it me? Is there something wrong with me? Why am I not progressing the way the expectations are for grief? I I felt like society had such a quick turnaround for how well you should be. And I wasn't well. And um, there was a lot of judgment, I felt like. Mm-hmm. And maybe I, I, I judged myself, you know, mm-hmm. in those moments, you know, and I, I was the one and maybe it wasn't all the people around me that really were judging, but in my perception yeah. became that reality that I was being judged because I couldn't move forward as quickly as I needed to. And it well, really wasn't until I, I, I met Robin um, and I was introduced to her. That was the point, like a turning point for me, where I felt all of a sudden that I was connected connected, not alone with somebody who understood. And I think your experience is so common that, you know, often people who are well-meaning will make comments that leave uh, someone who's grieving feeling judged, you know, because if you haven't lived through a similar kind of loss, it's really hard to understand the time frame. When we're in raw grief, time doesn't work the same way. You kind of go into this space. You talked about the fog of grief and the first year, especially if there's trauma attached to the loss, is just so uh, difficult to stay connected, to focus, to come out of denial and and into the reality of, of this loss. Even though you're moving through the reality every day, there's a lot of disconnect. And uh, and other people don't understand that if they haven't lived through something similar, it's very challenging. So then you interpret that and and begin to internalize the judgment, just like you just said, right? You're like, maybe it was other people judging me, or maybe it was me judging myself. And my experience in, in listening to people's stories is that there's a little bit of both that goes on. And so you found Robin, and you connected with Robin, and and, and what was that like What for feeling like you, you finally had someone who kind of got you and got your experience? So the, the way that Robin and I connected was really that it was a friend of my partner who passed. And he had reached out to me through text one day and said, you know, there, there's this woman that I believe that you can help. He said, I know you're reeling right now. Um, he said, I know that the loss of Adam is, you know, is devastating. He said, but this woman went to school. We went to undergrad together. Adam was at Emory with her. He said, and um, she, her mom is, was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. He said, you lost your mom to illness. He said, she just lost her marriage. And her children are the same age that your children were when you got divorced from your first marriage. And he said, I am single and my parents are well. And he said, and I don't have a thing that I can offer that to her to support her during this time, but I hear her reeling and I want to offer some type of help. And I think that help is you, <laughs> you know, and he said, I just, I just like to connect you through text. You know, would you, would you mind? And I said, you know, absolutely. You know, and we exchanged numbers. And I think what was unique about my, my friendship with Robin was it was a friendship built backwards. We talked about all of the heavy things before we talked about all of those surface things. So it was, tell me about what you're feeling in this moment. Why are you angry that your mother has metastatic breast cancer? Tell me how you're managing to uh, to mother two children as a, as a newly single mom and what that feels like. And then it was like, oh, your mom's first name is 
Carol, right? So you, we went backwards yeah. to to yeah. all of those things. Oh, you live in you know you live in Decatur, and I live in Huntington. Like we did yeah. all of that after we yeah. talked about the things that are almost socially taboo that people don't talk about on a regular basis, and 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 we were real about every element of our emotions, yeah. mostly because we didn't know each other beforehand. There was zero judgment in who it is that we were supposed to be. Neither one of us knew each other before our losses. So we didn't have expectations. And I think you're you're hitting on so many really important points, right? Among, among those points is that somebody offered you the opportunity for connection based on some similarities in your experience. And once you made those connections, you were drawn right to talking about those big issues, the big feelings, the big challenges that you were both facing each in your own way at your own time, but that you could connect over and connect with some relief, like, oh, there's someone else in the world who gets this. And like, I, I, I like the way you're saying you kind of built the friendship backwards, right? Because it's like, then you get to the more mundane small talk kind of answers that we usually start with. But my experience is that um, of that very thing, when we when we are in deep pain and we've got something so big that we're trying to cope with, we actually we start there and 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 we start there until we find someone who can go there with us, because that's all we can think about when we're in the middle of it. We can't think about the more mundane things. We don't want to talk about the weather. Here we are with this thing that we can't do anything about except stare at and think about, and we need someone to talk to about it. And so then it makes perfect sense to me that that would be such a relief to both of you. And it was 24 seven, you know, it was this idea that, you know, we were still trying to fulfill those roles of being single moms and coping with enormous grief. And so when the kids are tucked in bed and now we have those moments to be able to come undone, right? Because we've held everything together for so long. There was someone else on the other end of a, of a text to catch it. That's right. To receive it. Right. And, and therapy wasn't there 24 seven and, you know, and, and group groups were once a week or once, you know, once every few weeks. And so in those moments, I felt like that was essential to, to, to have someone to receive the message and not judge it, but just, I hear you. Yeah. You know, or I'm there too. You often don't even need a lot of response. It's that when, you know, that, that what you said is someone to receive it and acknowledge it. And, you know, when I talk to people about supporting other people in grief, I often will say that you don't have to know what to say. You just have to listen and then just acknowledge how much pain the person's in just be with them and let that be. And so it sounds like you were really able to get that. And you're absolutely right. Groups and therapists are not available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your call. Right. And so um, that one-to-one connection with somebody in a circle of, of people that you may know. So what a great, I mean, what a great thing that you were connected with Robin in this way and, and great for both of you. Not great that both of you had these experiences that you were in pain from or that you needed this support from each other, but great that you that you were able to show up for each other 
in this time. We showed up to for one another for one full year before we realized that we were onto something Mm -hmm. and that this should be made available to other people. And that's where, where we came up with the development of Good Grief App. It was this idea that, you know what, we were complete strangers. We texted and supported one another for an entire year, never having met in person. We felt that there was some safety in the relative anonymity behind that screen and we felt like we we should give this to other people who were probably experiencing the same thing I had been in that early stage of grief of not feeling connected and that lack of validation for the, the roller coaster of emotions that you go through as you travel down the grief path. Great. So you have this you have this um, uh, idea for the good grief app hey, let's create what we've just found so beneficial. Um, And uh, that's been in the works now. So how long has the Good Grief app been around? So we launched Good Grief app in 2018. The premise behind it is people log into an app and they create a profile. (laughs) They They tell us who they lost, when they lost them, how they lost them. They they complete certain uh, demographic information, how they identify, and if there's a religious affiliation or not, there is um, their age. And then they have the opportunity to select preferences once they're inside the app. I feel most comfortable connecting with a woman between the ages of 34 and uh, 44 who is, you know, has children and lost someone to cancer, you know, so those are all like, there's a, you know, there's a menu essentially of the types of loss that they might have gone through. And then it connects individuals. It creates preferences based on the selections. And then individuals can choose who they feel they might feel comfortable reaching out to through the profile. And they it's in-app texting one-to-one with photo sharing. Great. And what a, what a brilliant concept. And also, you know, congratulations on taking it from conception to this available app, because that's a big task. Uh, It's a big task when you're not a corporation with lots of people that you can hire and put onto it. You're doing it yourselves. You and Robin have worked this from the ground up together. And, um, and so congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're very proud of it for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I mean, at Grief Stories, we believe that it helps people to talk about their story of of loss, to hear other people's stories of loss, and to connect on the similarities and learn from one another. And that's very much what you guys have arranged, is for people to be able to do that on a more personal one-to-one basis, whereas we're offering kind of stories out um, that people can access we don't have that interaction piece at this point on our platform. And uh, so how nice to be able to add the Good Grief app as a resource to the Grief Stories website. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate it. We think our, our visions certainly do align. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, we're certainly grateful that you've added us as a resource. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I'm always so happy to know there are other people out in the world who are thinking about grief and how we can support people through it as people navigate grief and often, you know, the trauma associated with different types of loss. 
you know, we will will all as a society be healthier and better off if we feel supported during the difficult experiences of loss that we're bound to have in life. You know, so um, it's uh, it's good to know that you guys are out there doing this as well. Thank you for joining us on the Grief Stories podcast today, Kim. Thank you so much for having me and for certainly for adding Good Grief as your resource. Um, We're very proud to partner with you. Great. And we're so pleased to be able to partner with you as well. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we realize that these stories may be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.